Ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As at the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it. But hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. <laughs> um hi guys welcome to another episode of history of a haunting i am carrie and i'm laura we are and your hosts we are your hosts archie is uh on hiatus so he is not going to join us for this episode um he was also we did laura did her conspiracy theory for june um and she did mothman and he was really upset that he missed that <laughs> He was really upset that he missed Mothman, but um, I'm like, well, you can listen to it on Patreon. (laughs) Mothman's cool. Yeah. So, um, and I think Laura and I, when she comes to visit next month and we go investigate old hospital on College Hill, I think we are going to go to Point Pleasant on the way. It's kind of north and then down. It's, I think we mapped it and looked at it. We're going to try to go and find Mothman, if nothing else, take a picture by the statue and have some moth pizza or whatever it is. <laughs> whatever down there. Yeah, that'll be super fun. I'm really looking forward to that if we can make that happen. Yeah, that'll be it's really just, cool. It's just a fun story and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really the, only, the only downside is it may, it's going to make for a, a very long day of driving yeah. and then we've got the eight-hour overnight investigation, so... I think pretty much it's going to be a long day no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And the next day will be a long day and it's just, it's going to be a a long weekend. (laughs) It's just going to be a long weekend. Um, But really the only EVP I had, I went to Eastern state penitentiary Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. The other two, two days ago, Koi and I went up to Philadelphia and uh, that place you guys is unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. And I think the thing that was the most odd to me was that it's literally the city has built been built around it. It's literally smack dab in the middle of downtown Philadelphia. And really? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we went and had um dinner at this amazing restaurant directly across the street. And it's all like bars and restaurants across the street. There's like an all state insurance office. There's like dry cleaners. There's a, um, one of those parking lots that you can pay to park so you can go and just mill around downtown. And then bam, one whole city block in the center of all that is Eastern state penitentiary. It's just weird to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was the tour? It was really good. It was a self-guided tour. Um, so they give you the little audio thing. Cool. I didn't listen to it cause you know, we covered it and I already, (laughs) I already knew, um, Koi loved it because so Steve Buscemi narrates it 
And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He narrates it. And then they have interviews with former guards and inmates that as you go along, because, you know, you get to one point, you press one and you listen to that recording and then you go to the next right. point and so on and so forth. And um, he really enjoyed it. He really enjoyed hearing from the actual guards and the actual inmates. And he had a really great time. And then what's cool is after the audio tour, the audio tour takes you through like cell block two and then down through cell block four maybe I can't remember mm-hmm. I got the map here somewhere um but then it ends when you get like outside but that doesn't mean that like your tour is over then you can just wander around eastern state after that and you can turn your stuff in but then you can wander around or you can keep it and if you want to they have artist installations there now and so a bunch of different artists have done these amazing art installations like some inside the cells of like there was one that was about Gitmo that an artist did about like Mm -hmm. what it looks like like a just a chain link fence cage and like two buckets that they're given and so that people know like what the conditions are like in Gitmo um another woman which koi really enjoyed this one too i really thought it was cool too it was creepy though was a woman had gone throughout the country and she had spoken to different inmates she asked them what is one song that if you could have anybody listen to a song what is one song that you would have them listen to and it could be about your life or your time in prison or you know whatever and so she compiled all of these songs and they were like all kinds of different songs. Like one was Bohemian Mm -hmm. Rhapsody by Queen and one was songs that you've heard of some that you hadn't. And what she did was in a cell, she had put, God, I think it was like, I don't know, 12 different speakers all around the cell. And when you walk into it, your motion into the, your motion triggers the music. And it's all of these songs each playing from a different speaker playing at the same time until it grows into this huge crescendo. So it's all this noise. And it was, mm-hmm. it was just really fascinating. It sounds interesting. It was yeah, really, interesting. really interesting. Um, so they have a bunch of different like artist installations throughout Eastern state. And then they had, um, you could go in and, and you could, some of them were blocked off, which I was really pissed about because <laughs> So blocks 12 and six and four are the three most haunted cell blocks in Eastern state and 12 and six were closed off. And I'm like six, I can see because it is really falling apart. I had posted some pictures of it's just like debris all over the ground. And it like, you can tell the stairs aren't stable and the, like the mm-hmm. upper walkways you can tell aren't like, yeah. well, wouldn't hold weight at all. Cell block 12, on the other hand, not only was it closed off, so cell block six was just closed by like a, an iron like gate and you could still see Mm -hmm. through it and like whatever, but cell block 12 was actually sealed off with iron doors. So you couldn't even see into it. And I was like, what the shit? So Koi being six foot two, I had him raise my phone like up as high as you could go (laughs) and take pictures of like, there's like a space at the top of maybe two inches he got some pictures, not the best ones, but um, they have it closed off because that's the cell block that they use during their terror, terror at the Tower Halloween event. So they close it off and it's not part of the regular tours. 
Um, but yes. it is also one of the most haunted locations in the prison. And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool though. We got to see death row and we had a really creepy experience in death row. Um, <clears throat> we, death row just had a bad vibe and it was one of those things like you're always talking That's about. That's surprising. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. But it was kind of like one of those things that you're always talking about, you know, that you, the power of perception, like, you know, what yeah, happened suggestion. There. suggestion mm-hmm. Yeah. So the death row is actually two sides of the building ourselves and they only had the one open, but you walk past the other one to get out, to go to the next, whatever you want to go to. And that was all dark. And it was again, closed off by an iron, like cage door that mm-hmm. was padlocked and walking by that you could feel being watched in that darkness. It was Hmm. horrible. It was so horrible. I was like, I can't, I could barely stand there and take pictures of it because of course I did. And I took pictures with the flash on and I was like, I don't even want to look at these pictures. I didn't even look at them until we got home yesterday, but walking past that one side was so creepy and horrible. I, yeah. I I hated it. I really hated it. And then those stairs that I was telling you about that went up to the uh-huh. second floor of death row. Right. Um, that's just employees only. I think it's like storage and stuff like that up there. Mm-hmm. Utility closets. Do you know stuff. what it was before? Does it, did it tell you like what it used to be? Is that like where that, the guards were? Or do you have that, any idea? That dark, creepy side. Mm-hmm. That was the other side of cells. So there were like oh, five death row cells on the one side and then another five on the other. Oh. And so they just have the one open, open for you to see. For you, to see. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you couldn't go like down in there to like take a look at them because they had that caged off too. But um, yeah, so it was just another side of, of cells. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was super creepy. And then um, we saw the, the um, punishment chair and that was that red chair that looks like kind of like mm-hmm. a dentist chair. And that yeah, it looks like where, a barber chair or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they mm-hmm. would strap the inmates to that and they would strap their hands and feet down so tightly in that chair and leave them there for so long that many of them required amputation afterward because there was just no blood getting to their extremities. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then the other thing that they did was they put the iron gag on them in that chair where it was like, you know, have you seen Saw? Um, that movie saw. I think I saw the original one. The first one, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was basically, it was kind of like they would have a bridle, like a horse bridle type of thing in their mouth that was affixed to a collar that had a chain that ran down the back and their hands were handcuffed to the chain. But inside the bridle, there was a smaller collar that fixed around their tongue with a razor blade underneath it. So any movement the prisoner made would tighten it and would pull that tongue collar and cut their tongue. And so a a lot of them either bled out or they choked on their own blood from their tongue being sliced by this razor. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I um, took video and I took EVP um, in that cell for a while. And I was just like, that was another one where it was that that power of suggestion where it was like, this is horrible and awful. And it's the, yeah, I, it's the actual chair. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't even like, and you could, there was a metal collar on this pipe that was directly above it. I, you can see it in the picture I posted, but 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, we're starting off on a ray of sunshine vibe today. <laughs> aren't we? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> now that I feel so sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, um, it was pretty, it was pretty nasty. And then um, we got to see the the stairs that lead down to the hole, which was under mm-hmm. cell block 14, where a lot of guys would go down there and they, the guards would either purposely leave them down there or forget about them. And they'd be down there for like days or weeks. Okay, sorry. It's the food dinner was delivered to the door and the dogs lost their minds. Um, so yeah, anyway, all in all, Eastern State was amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, we did this, their summer nighttime twilight tour. So we got to tour it at night. It was really great. It um, was kind of drizzly. So there was a little bit of lightning in the sky, a little bit of rain. Um, really made... Amped so you got some good atmosphere, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good atmosphere. Um, we loved it. We had a really great time. And I was really glad that Koi had a great time too, because he doesn't like that kind of stuff. Haunted shit. No, he doesn't want right. any part of it. Um, he had he had a great time. So I recommend it to everybody. They've got their nighttime tours through the summer. And then of course, I think they are coming back with their tower at the terror or terror at the tower or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, so for I got Halloween. a lot. Yeah. For Halloween, there are a haunted thing, which I would absolutely not do. No way. I'm not going to. It's one thing to go into an abandoned building and like look and do a paranormal investigation because maybe a ghost will pop out. Maybe they won't. At that kind of place, they're definitely going to. And I don't want to pay somebody to purposely scare me. Like, right. You get all those jump scares. Those I hate jump scares. Yeah. And so you get a ton of them. And so I was like, "Mm, this is really more my speed. Um, but I have a lot of recordings, a lot of video, a lot of photos, uh, to go through. So anything that I capture, uh, I will put up for the Patreons and, um, that'll probably be in about a couple of weeks just cause I'm, you know, busy and we've got things. Yeah. All kinds of stuff to do and, you know, job and, um, but I actually, I do have quite a bit, so it's going to take me some time. Um, Anyway, that's really all I had. Eastern State was amazing, and I recommend everybody go. Uh, our tickets were $32 because they have it Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. So Thursdays mm-hmm. are cheaper, then Fridays are more expensive, then Saturday is the most expensive. The cool thing is the audio tour ends in a beer garden in the prison yard, and their little prison yard. And so we had a really good time and sat drinking a beer. And I think I posted on Facebook, you know, like the prisoners used to do. Right. Um, <laughs> well, that sounds like uh, my kind of four. Right. Yeah. It ended in a beer garden. I thought it was great. So, um, yeah. So that's that on that. Uh, Laura, what about you? Do you have anything? No, to be honest, this week has been pretty quiet. Um, great. I'm kind of, yeah. I mean, no news is good news kind of, um, you know, just family stuff and hanging out and, uh, get ready for, vacation in two weeks and then coming to see you in three weeks so yeah it's gonna be a really busy july but yeah for sure how do you feel good not too much yeah when does zane i'm go staying back in the school? house it's like 117 degrees i'm yeah, not leaving it's... my fucking house at all unless i absolutely have to yeah so that's part of the reason it's so quiet i'm all uh-uh i'm not going out there <laughs> like i really really am trying not to go outside 
living right. in Phoenix in the summer. <laughs> it's not the best thing. Not the best thing. Um, all right. Well, why don't we jump into this week's location? Laura, I want you to tell the people where we're taking them today. We are going to Loftus Hall in Ireland. Yay! Um, Yay. Did you submit your uh, notes to Archie for him to score? Yeah, to- I, you know what? I haven't yet, but I'll send them over today. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go That's ahead. That's so funny. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, no. <laughs> He's going to be all Archie, snotty about it. Don't forget, Laura has to give you her notes so she can grade her. You can score her history. Right. Exactly. Um, so speaking of the history, um, I got this information from wikipedia.com. Um, the Waterford Visitor Center.com and LoftusHall.ie. Cool. So the Loftus Hall is located in Ireland in County Wexford on the Hook Peninsula. Um, and as we've just said, it's just south of Waterford. Um, so it's like southeast-ish um, Ireland. Okay. All right. So the history of Loftus Hall, um, a large mansion house located along the Hook Peninsula, goes back through the centuries. The first castle was built on the site in 1170 by the Jesus. Norman knight, right? <laughs> yeah, we get to Ireland, we get to, you know, Europe, and it's like, the history is going to take a minute. <laughs> uh, we got to go through some shit first. <laughs> right? Holy crap. All right. <laughs> we got about a thousand years. Just think, tight. It's going to be a minute. Pour that drink. Pour that drink. Right, exactly. Get the bottle. Uh, yeah, right. Just bring the whole thing. You're going to need it. <laughs> so this was by the Norman Knight Raymond Legros, who changed his surname to Redmond to um, adopt an Irish identity. So the original hall was built in the original hall was built in 1350 by the Redmond family. So his descendants during the time of the Black Death. Ew. It was known as Redmond Hall until the 1650s. When it was given to English planters, the Loftus family, and from then on, it was known as Loftus Hall. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it still was Loftus Hall for a big, long while. I mean, 1600s, yeah. damn. Hey, you know, if we're going to do it, hold on. <laughs> um, like, if I had a hall, I would keep it. I would too. Nobody's changing <laughs> its name it. either. This is Hopper right. Hall. We're keeping it. Keep it. So in 1642, the future Loftus Hall, then still known as Redmond's Hall, was attacked by English soldiers loyal to Charles I of England. The Irish oh. Confederate. No. Okay. I'm like, oh, okay. you're uh, familiar yeah. with him? Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah, we're buddies. I got it. All right. My old friend Charles. Yeah, Chucky. that's the guy that got overthrown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the Irish Confederate Wars had broken out in 1641 and hostilities commenced in Wexford in 1643. An English garrison of around 100 men under the command of Lord Esmond was based at Duncannon Fort on Waterford Harbor. On February 23rd, this garrison was reinforced by a further 200 soldiers under the command of Captain Anthony Weldon and Captain Thomas Aston, along with six cannons. Okay. All right. On the 19th of June, a party of these soldiers from the fort were attacked by a group of Irish Confederates under the command of Captain Rossiter and Major James Butler. It, I'm going to do my best with the names. I apologize. She'll bag in. <laughs> and there went all the Irish listeners. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I apologize. 
Well, I mean, if we didn't lose them all with Lev Castle, we'll lose them here. It's fine. <laughs> right. No, no problem. Right. Right. It's fine. Uh, um, so the English were uh, routed and driven back to the fort. Redmond's Hall was clearly visible to the beleaguered garrison at Duncannon. The hall's only owner, Alexander Redmond, was known to be sympathetic to the rebels. The hall was known as a place that gave assistance to the rebels. So Captain Aston believed it could be easily taken. And on the 20th of July, 1642, took ship from Duncannon with about 90 men and two small cannon landed near the hall. Hmm. So although Alex Redmond was 68 years old at this time, he barricaded the hall and prepared to defend it. He was assisted by his sons, Robert and Michael, some of their tenants and two men at arms in a, in a tailor who happened to be at work in the hall when the attack took place. <laughs> so he was working so, there and now he's fighting and now he's getting drafted into this fight, right? Right. Can't I just so, stitch up your uniform in case you get a tear or something? Right. <laughs> like, I'm here. I'm here. I got it. <laughs> you split your pants? I, I'm on this. I, I'm on the we can't have you looking shabby. Right. <laughs> so the defenders number 10 and all and were armed with long barreled fouling pieces, which to be honest, I don't even know what that is. Um but it sounds like it has a long, it sounds fancy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Captain Asa drew his men up in front of the hall and demanded admission in the name of the king. Um, oh. Alexander retorted that Aston was welcome to come in, provided only that he left his soldiers and weapons outside. So a lengthy gun battle ensued. Aston discovered that his cannons were too small to make much of an impression on the main door to the Shit, hall. Shit, really? Yeah. Wow, okay. So to add to the troubles, um, about half his men abandoned him to go pillage the countryside. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think, fuck this, we're not getting in, I'm out. Fuck fuck this, I quit. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm going to go pillage. (laughs) So (laughs) as the fight dragged on, a heavy sea mist descended on the Hook Peninsula. So meanwhile, the Irish Confederates, the rebels, um, under com- Captain Rositer and Captain Thomas Roche, we're still encamped at Shilbaggin. <laughs> we're going to stick with that. Okay. Hearing sure. of the attack, they marched rapidly to the aid of the defenders and surprised the attackers under the cover of fog. About 30 of the English escaped to their boats and back to the fort. Captain Aston himself is one of those killed. Oh, okay. So I just think that is super fun. <laughs> I think so too. I didn't realize that it had been a part of that. I yeah, I didn't come across any of that. He was trying to take my... it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and the tailor and every you know the ten guys held them off and couldn't use their cannons. I love that everybody fucked off to go pillage the countryside. That just wasn't right. This is no longer <laughs> worth it. Come on, guys, let's go. Right, this isn't fun. I'm out. <laughs> um. So, the official Redmond family pedigree alleges that Alexander Redmond had to defend the hall one or two more times against soldiers of Oliver Cromwell in the autumn of 1649 during the Cromwellian conquest of Ireland. Yeah, that bastard. Yeah, he's not super fun. He's not the Um, best. No, he's not very fun. Uh, There's a tradition that the defenders shoot sacks of wool to block up breaches in the walls created by enemy cannon. These wool sacks and representation of the hall can be seen in the coat of arms issued to one of their members in 1763. It is alleged that Alexander Redmond received favorable items from Cromwell and died in the hall in 1650 or 1651, after which his surviving family were evicted, allowed only to retain a third of their original estates in County Wexford. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. So the Loftus family were English planters who had owned land in the neighborhood from around 1590 when Sir Dudley Loftus was granted the land around Kilquaggan. <laughs> we're going to just keep this. Nicholas Loftus <laughs> acquired the manor of Feathered on Sea in 1634, and Feathered Castle became the family residence. That was afterwards occupied by the Redmond family after they were evicted from the hall, which is now Loftus Hall. So it seems like these families, their fortunes were like reversed, right? So the oh, one okay. family ended up living in the other's like previous home and they moved into the hall. Okay. All right. That makes, that makes sense. I was like, wait a minute. Right. They just like swapped houses. What's happening here? They're kind of, yeah. It kind of seems like they had a reversal of fortune. Like, yeah. Um, okay. Right. And so then the Loftus ended up getting the hall and the Redmonds went to their old castle. Feather on the sea or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So neither of these castles sound like terrible places to live. I'm not going to lie. Hold on. I haven't gotten to my part yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So after the end of Cromwell's campaign, Nicholas Loftus was given the lands in County Wexford and he got the hall from some adventurers and soldiers that had kind of taken up residence. Um, but in 1666, his son Henry moved to the hall, um, and it became the principal residence of the Loftus family. Okay. So to establish a new name of his property, he had the following inscription inscribed in stone on the entrance piers to Port Porter's Gate. Henry Loftus of Loftus Hall, Esquire, 1680. Nonetheless, the old name remained in use till the end of the century. In 1684, Henry Loftus carried out extensive repairs to the hall, which presumably needed repairing after the turbulent events of the previous decades. The Loftus family rose in, um, in prestige over the following centuries. And then in 1800s, um, the owner of the hall, the Earl of Eli, previously Baron Loftus of Loftus Hall, was granted Marquis of Eli. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I know this is this feeds into the some of the later stuff, so yeah, yeah. And I actually think, isn't a marquee, isn't that that's a French royalty title, isn't it? Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, but so these, I mean, if I know Versailles, right, (laughs) on Netflix, like I think I do, right. So Uh, (laughs) basically, rose in prominence. Um, as time went on and became marquis, assuming that's a good thing. Okay. Sounds fancy. So the Redmond family um, had disputed the claim of the Loftus family to the Loftus Hall, but without success. Sure. So um, back in 1684, they were compensated with the lands in the north of Wexford. And then they, some of their descendants kind of stuck around hanging out. And so there was still like kind of bad blood between them but nothing you know too much happened so it wasn't like an irish hatfields and mccoy's kind of situation no i was kind of hoping but (laughs) nothing nothing that dramatic okay okay. Mm -hmm. so um back to the marquee so um in 1872 um this fourth marquee of ellie or eli eli um Eli, yeah, undertook um, an extensive rebuilding of the entire mansion. Um, and then this is when it got really ornate. So they added all this, the famous grand staircase, mosaic tiled floors, parquet flooring, and just crazy stuff that wasn't typical in Ireland for the time, right? Just right. stuff that was awesome. 
And it also had like flushing toilets and blown air heating, which is, was not happening in Ireland at that time. Okay. All right. I knew I recognized the name because I talk about the Marquis of Eli in my part. And I'm like, Sorry. where in my part? <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little beast of my side. It was an alarm on mine that went off. Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. um, so they did all this in hopes that the queen, she was supposed to come and visit Victoria. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Queen Victoria. Right. But unfortunately she didn't. So all of this for naught. So unfortunately the family not never got to really fully enjoy the house, um, after the queen didn't come because the fourth marquee died very young. And without issue and leaving the estate in a poor financial state, because mm-hmm. it's been all the money on repairs to his just cousin for her. Right. Just for the queen to come. Like yeah. they went bananas. Right. Right. Yeah. And then she didn't show up because I mean, had she shown up, I imagine then others would have gone to Loftus Hall because the queen stayed there and this and that. And then they really would have been okay. Right. And they thought it, yeah, obviously, like if the queen comes to visit you, you're standing and society's gonna go up and you know, your right, business exactly. prospects, everything. Right. 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 Yeah. So yeah. Um so his cousin, you know, had to sell it. So the three-story non-basement mansion, um, and it has nine bays to the front with a balustrated parapet. If you look at the pictures of it, it's they have like it's not columns, but the house, it looks like every manor that you pretty much ever see like on TV, but it's so cool. Cause it's all just, there's nothing else around it. It's just kind of just hanging out there. Right. Right. It is gorgeous. Um, yeah. it almost looks like today anyway, it almost looks like a facade of Versailles actually. Mm-hmm. It's really grand and yeah 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 it's really beautiful um okay so it was put up for sale and in 1917 loftus hall was bought by the sisters of providence and turned into a convent and a school for young girls interested in joining the order right um and they kept it until 1983 and it was purchased by michael Devereux, who reopened it as loftus hall hotel um and that only lasted till the late 90s um, in 2011, the house was purchased by the Quigley family. Um, and they spent a bunch of money trying to restore it and um, kind of bring it back to glory. Right. So, And they had been using it as a tourist attraction with guided tours and seasonal events. Um, and then our buddy Zach Biggins came to visit and did a good um, uh, episode of Ghost Adventures. Um, and a gothic thriller called The Lodgers was also shown on location in Loftus Hall in 2016 and actually was really an acclaimed movie, I guess, for the thriller. But yeah, in the hall, last I could see, it looks like it's still for sale. The Quigley family had, yeah, this, it had put too, you know, enough money into it and wanted to move on. So, yeah. Right. So <clears throat> you too, you can actually own this if you want. I if you want, like if you're looking Five million to... euros or something. Oh, is that all? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just a drop in the bucket. No I mean, I'd, all I need to do is call Zurich and move some money around. It's fine. Right. <laughs> no problem. I got this. Right. Hold, please. <laughs> yeah, but 
That's the history of Loftus Hall. I love it. Great job. You did a really great job. I'm going to give you a score of 10. Um, Thanks. But you've been drinking. We'll have to wait until Archie does it. (laughs) Yeah, my score doesn't count. but um, No, it doesn't. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Um, But yeah, I thought that was really great. Plus, I, I was, it was, it was very easy to follow. Plus it had like some names I knew and, right. you know, like Cromwell and Charles I. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, okay, go on, go on, go on. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of names in there. So it's kind of hard to keep track, but with yeah. the wars, this guy and this guy. Just... Oh, we got it. I thought that was really. Just remember the Taylor. Yeah. This, this episode <laughs> is dedicated to the memory of that poor Taylor. Right. Good job, Taylor. All right. Good job. <laughs> Taylor, <laughs> Taylor, the Taylor. All right. Uh, um, <laughs> hold on. I laughed and spit wine on my computer. <laughs> Classy as always. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, we're just going to plow right ahead with the hauntings. Um mm-hmm. So I got my information from ancientorigins.net, thelineup.com, myrealireland.com, and the search for Anne and Michael.blogspot.com, and also one of my very favorite podcasts, and that's why we drink. Nice. Yes. So I'm sure you probably came across the legend, the story that it's most famous for that Charles Tottenham had married the Honorable Anne Loftus, who was the daughter of the first Viscount Loftus. And they had six children, four boys and two girls. Their names were Elizabeth and Anne. Um, However, his wife had become ill and died when the girls were still young. Uh, Two years later, he married his cousin, Jane Cliff, and they lived together along with Anne in Loftus Hall. With the kids in Loftus Hall. So um, one night, as legend states, amid a powerful storm, a ship arrived at the Hook Peninsula and a young man made his way to Loftus Hall, asking if he could take shelter there. And apparently it wasn't uncommon for strangers to do this um, because the rough waters around the South Wexford coast often resulted in ships being grounded on the shore or kind of pummeled by the rocks. Um, so the man was invited in and he actually ended up residing at the house with the family for several weeks. So during this time, Anne, who was a little more grown up, she fell in love with this stranger. Because like you said, he was there for weeks. Um, They spent countless hours socializing and she would play cards with him in the tapestry room. Um, According to local legends, one evening, Anne was playing cards with the stranger along with other guests that night uh, when she dropped uh, one of her cards on the floor. She leaned down to pick it up from under the table she noticed that this stranger she was in love with had cloven hoofs instead of feet. Um, she screamed loudly, causing the stranger um, just causing the stranger to realize that he had been exposed, um, and he showed himself as being the devil. Uh, he immediately roared in anger, transformed into a ball of fire, and shot up through the roof leaving Anne in a state of trauma from which she never recovered. Um, Apparently, according to family, friends, the rest of the legend, Anne's mental state deteriorated rapidly. And her family, who was embarrassed by her behavior over all of this, which I would probably do the same thing, um, 
I would behave the same way. I mean, if I found out that the guy I was dating was the devil. Um, you act like that hasn't happened before. I mean, they didn't have, <laughs> they didn't, they kept, didn't they kept their hooves so. in check. Yes. yes. Appreciate um, it. So embarrassed by her behavior, they confined her to a room in the house, the tapestry room, where she remained until her death in around 1775. So have you heard this? Did you come across this in your research? Mm, I did. I did. Yeah. So she sent, uh, said to have spent her days looking out the window across the sea. When she died, they say that her body could not be straightened. Um, it had to be buried as is with her knees drawn up under her chin, kind of like she was in a fetal position. Oh, mm-hmm. I was like, don't love that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is said from this time onwards that Loftus Hall became plagued by severe poltergeist activity um, with the troubled Anne never really being able to rest in peace. Um, apparently she's not alone. The devil has also made a return appearance. Several of them, in fact. Legend states that the sinister figure returned um, to the spot where he was unmasked to plague the place with poltergeist activity and to continuously torment poor Anne's spirit and when she was still alive. Um, Several Protestant clergymen were summoned by the family to put a stop to it, but none could rid the house of its evil forces. In their desperation, the family, themselves Protestant, called upon a Catholic priest who was a tenant on their estate. His name was Father Thomas Borders. And um, he thought that he was successful in cleansing the house of the negative forces. It's uh, generally reported that his gravestone contains the inscription, quote, here lies the body of Thomas Borders, who did, who did good and prayed for all and who banished the devil from Loftus Hall. Although uh-huh. there's, yeah, there's actually no evidence that this inscription ever existed, but I mean, it's possible that it could have, those headstones by now are so worn, worn. and faded and, you know, it, it could be there and they just can't read it. It could have just kind of been chipped away through time. Um, but so during one of the many renovations um, and the restorations of Loftus Hall, the skeletal remains of a tiny infant were found between the walls in what was believed to have been the room that Anne had been locked in. So the general consensus is that she had actually fallen, gotten pregnant by the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, and this could have provided the motive for her father to lock her away, never to be seen again. Um, one uh, account by some locals suggests that Anne died during childbirth after her father refused to let anyone know of her pregnancy, including the local doctor. Um, and then she suffered complications leading to her death, which was very, very, very common in those days. Right. Um, it would have been very easy for him to just shut her and the baby away. And if the baby died, if she died during childbirth and the baby died, <clears throat> then they just, you know, bury the baby in the wall. Mm. Um, it's not great, no matter what kind of, you know, I'm trying to put lipstick on yeah. a pig here and it's not working. Yeah, uh, there's no happy <laughs> ending. <laughs> So today, Anne Tottenham's grave is located in a local graveyard in Wexford, but something is very peculiar about it. Apparently, unlike the surrounding graves, it is completely cemented over. The people that buried her clearly wanted to ensure that no one could ever access her body. So it's wondered, like, what kind of crazy secrets did she maybe take to her grave, which I think is very interesting. That is Um, interesting. 
So as you mentioned, following the state's renovate, the estate's renovation, um, the Loftus family went bankrupt and eventually died out, leaving no familial heir. Loftus Hall was again taken over by Benedictines and later turned into a convent by the Sisters of Providence. However, it is said that everyone was too afraid to attend mass in the building's chapel, given the stories of an infernal presence in the house. Mm -hmm. In the 1980s, um, like you said, it was opened as the Loftus Hall Hotel by Michael Devereaux, who he actually later died in the building, leaving his wife to run the hotel on her own until one day she just disappeared without any explanation. Um, the magnificent structure stood empty for several years and attracted rumors of satanic rituals being conducted within its abandoned halls, which I, I'm sure it probably did happen. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, People love to do that with the abandoned buildings, especially right. one that has like a history like that. I right. Mean, it's got this legend that Satan himself was there. And um, so I guess when you go there, you can almost feel the sadness and the trauma that has taken place within its walls, not just with Anne's story, but like what you were saying, that poor Taylor is probably just still there, really bummed right. out about how his <laughs> career went. Um, Why did I have to go on that day? Right. I should have called in. Right. I knew I didn't drink enough the night before. Um, so they wonder if the ghost of Anne still roams the cold and empty rooms of the mansion as it stands today. Many are convinced the answer is yes. American ghost hunters have carried out detailed investigations of the house and claimed to have detected numerous anomalies. Um, after her death, after Anne's death, the sound of horses' hooves could be heard. Um, the, the hauntings were so horrific that servants left and locals refused to enter the house. So one of the earliest encounters with the paranormal um, was in the early 1790s. A man was invited to Loftus Hall for a hunting party and he arrived late. So he was put up in the tapestry room because the rest of the house was full. Mm -hmm. Shortly after he got into bed and put out his candle, he felt something leap onto the bed and start growling like a wild dog. The curtains were torn back and the bedclothes stripped entirely from beneath him. Thinking he was the victim of a prank, he relit the candle and searched the room completely, shocked to find no one and nothing there. The door was also locked just as he had set it when he went to bed. Wow. So I was like, wow, that's, that started quick. Mm-hmm. Um, several years later, Mr. Shannon, who was the valet of the Marquis of Eli, was put in the tapestry room for the course of their stay in the house. On the first night in the house, he was awakened by the, or on the first night, the entire house was awakened by the roars and screams of Mr. Shannon. He had escaped the room and was found cowering in an indecent position, tearing at his nightshirt wild with fear. Wow. One, yeah, I was like, damn. Once they got him calmed down, he said that shortly after he extinguished his candle, the curtains rattled and were torn from the window. How many curtains is this place going through is my first question. Right. That's I why mean, they have the tailor. I mean, that's <laughs> why they had the tailor. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, they probably could get a tailor after that war to save their lives. Right. Um <clears throat> So once he calmed down, he said that shortly after he extinguished his candle, the curtains rattled and were torn from the window, where then a ghostly tall lady dressed in a stiff brocaded silk stood immediately by his bedside. He was so terrified by the encounter 
that he insisted he would leave the employment of the Marquis should his lordship ever again expect him to occupy that room. Wow. And that's like a a primo job to have. So I feel like to threaten that would be, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they said to do that. Um, But I also thought it was interesting how detailed he was. And she was tall. She was dressed in stiff brocaded silk. I thought that Mm -hmm. was pretty interesting how detailed um, his memory of her was. So apparently this is a common occurrence in this room. The curtains being torn. The growling dog. Don't love that. Crying children. Um, They don't necessarily state if it's like a child or a baby. But if it's a baby, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, "Mm, stands to reason. Um, So now there was a man named Mr. Dale who was, quote, a sober-minded man of reason. Um, And he was the tutor of the young Marquis of Eli, um, along with a, quote, decent clergyman named Reed and a newspaper man that have stayed in the tapestry room, all have claimed to see the ghost believed to be Anne Tottenham in that same room. So you've got sober-minded men of reason, decent clergymen, newspaper men, all saying we've seen this thing happen in this room. Right. So the renovation of the house saw the tapestry room turned into a billiards room, but it didn't stop the hauntings. And it's it's a widely held belief that if you do construction on a haunted location, that's generally going to kick up some paranormal phenomenon, especially if it's kind of was haunted and the, the, the hauntings kind of died down. But if you start to renovate the building, it kind of kicks it all back up again. So... Right. Many have experienced the ghost of Anne entering at night, making a racket of noise and knocking around billiard balls. She's also been seen wandering up and down the grand staircase leading to the tapestry room. Again, the voices of children and crying have been heard. Um, The sound of horses coming up the drive and stopping at the front of the house is also a common sound when there's no no such thing going on. Yeah. Kind of a residual thing. Right, exactly, yes. Yeah. So the feeling of being watched is very common. Temperature drops, flickering lights, feeling someone standing right behind you. Don't love that. I can't stand that that feeling of like somebody's like <laughs> right there. Breathing on your neck. Yeah. Um, and people reporting um, being pinched and hit. Really? Yeah. That's taking your haunting a little too far. You don't need to hit me. Right. Calm down. Right? <laughs> Why don't we just play pool? Chill out. Right? What is, what's next? You're going to throw a billiard ball at my head? Right. Mm. God, what if they did? That'd be terrible. Um, it, would, it would hurt. It would hurt. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, again, growls are very common. Reports of orbs and manifestations of shadow figures are also reported. When it was a convent, the townspeople would go to the church there and many people were uncomfortable in it. They felt like it was evil and they claimed that they could still feel the devil there. So that may be more, you know, they knew the story and were mm-hmm. just uber creeped. That may yeah. be what's going on with that. Um, and still to this day, there's a section of the ceiling that looks different than the rest. This is believed to be where the devil flew out of it in a ball of fire. Hmm. Um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, a number of paranormal teams have been there to investigate with one investigator saying, quote, in our first investigation, we had a number of experiences. We were being pushed and pulled. Others were overwhelmed with feelings of nausea. There were growls, children's voices and numerous unexplained shadows. 
She went on to say, each time we return, the activity peaks a bit as if the house knows us by now, which is creepy. It's really creepy to, I mean, I don't know, Phelps Dodge Hospital, like they knew Tony and Sheree and Chris and Audra, like that hospital, but to kind mm-hmm. of assign personification to a building because it's so haunted, there's something very creepy about, about that. And I, I love shows like that, mm-hmm. but anyway. Um, one skeptic went on an investigation with this team and was going from room to room with a medium. She got really upset and said she could see a dark figure hovering over everyone. You could see the goosebumps move up her arms in waves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm just talking about it, but I, but to see them move in waves, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, that's the part that creeps me out the most. Right. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> like, want to, I don't want to see wavy chicken flesh. I don't, yeah. <laughs> um, the room got much colder. It got darker in the room. They could see shadows. Uh, in the morning room, they did an EVP session. One person started demanding answers from the spirits and a shadow figure appeared behind him that everyone could see but him. So this guy's <laughs> getting bossy and all Zach Bagansy and trying to provoke it. And then like this shadow of figure just appears behind him. Uh, they heard a voice scream from downstairs where nobody was at, at the time they heard singing in the kitchen and someone had their hair pulled. Um, they consistently heard tapping behind them in response to questions. People asked moving behind the person asking the questions, which I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, in the tapestry room, a tour guide saw one of the guests standing by the fireplace, but when he turned back to the group to uh, continue the tour, the man that he saw standing by the fireplace was standing with the rest of the group. So it's believed that he saw a spirit kind of shape-shifting into one of the guests. Weird. Uh-huh. So it would be like me talking to a group of people and turning to see you standing by the fireplace. And the second I turn back around, there you are standing with the group. Yeah, I, that's I think is really that's um, like possessiony, almost like kind of, of getting yeah. into weird like territory. Right. There's a lot of locations that we've covered that um, the spirits will will um, mimic you, yeah, and like, like voices and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah, and sound just like your voice through like walkie talkies or whatever. So. Um, we're probably going to want to be mindful of that at College Hill because I believe that's one of the claims. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We'll have a code word. Mimicking. <laughs> yeah. Mimicking and shape-shifting. <clears throat> that might be out of my paranormal investigator wheelhouse entirely right. forever. Um, in the card room where the game was played, where she discovered he was the devil, mm-hmm. This group sat down at the table and they all felt a burning feeling on their legs. The guide, they had, he had a card deck out and he had cleaned the card deck up and he was holding him in his hand, just loose, not in the box. Mm -hmm. When the group started feeling nauseous, the whole group, Hmm. and someone was pulled out of the chair they were sitting in by some unseen force. Um, However, it was in, oh shit, hang on. I got to get this picture. Damn it. I wasn't prepared. I apologize. Hang on. I got to get this picture for you. Okay. So in 2014, 
It was then that Loftus Hall cemented its reputation as the most haunted house in Ireland when a visitor taking a tour believed that he captured a haunting image on his camera. It subsequently went viral and attracted the attention of people all over the world. 21-year-old Thomas Beavis, as in, yeah, you know, I'm not going to say it. Mm-hmm. Right. Said so he was browsing. I need the... TP for my bungalow. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go there, but Laura will. Uh, <laughs> I totally will. Every time. Every time. Um, 21-year-old Thomas Beavis said he was browsing through the photos on his camera when he noticed the ghostly figures of a young woman and an older woman in the in a window. So I just texted you the picture. Oh. That's pretty cool. Right? Mm-hmm. I I don't even like I can't I can't explain that. And for him to notice that, that's pretty like that picture's taken from a, a ways away. Yeah. But for him to notice that, that's pretty, it's pretty impressive. So we'll put this up on our social media. Um, I, I don't know. That's, that's hard to, I mean, for me, that's hard to It's a pretty good, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a pretty good picture. It's pretty clear. I mean, you can definitely make out their faces even. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they seem to be dressed appropriately for the times. Right, right. You know, like 1700s or whatever. Looks right, cool. exactly. Spot on. Um, so that's, I mean, that's what I've got for the hauntings for Loftus Hall. I mean, it's all pretty consistent. Growls, you know, the usual, the classics. Mm-hmm. This place seems to be sticking with the classics. The bangs, the growls, the tapping, the disembodied voices, the shadow figures. Um, I think it would be a really interesting place to go and investigate. Um, I'll, anything so- that has, like the devil attached to it or any kind of demonic i really approach with caution simply because that stuff i just don't even want to get involved and mess with it and it's you know um but you know so that's what i have on the hauntings of it It, like i said it wasn't a whole lot but it certainly was interesting um and i do have a few fun facts um like you had mentioned it has been featured on ghost adventures and a show called Ireland's ghost hunters. Um, it's had books and documentaries made on it. And it was the location for the setting of the movie, the lodgers. Did you read the synopsis of that? When you I did going... not. It sounds cool though. I mean, just cause it said it was a Gothic thriller. I was like, Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. It's, it reminds me. Hmm. It reminds me a little of what's the name of that movie on uh, Netflix. Uh, oh, the, ha- the Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, okay. Did you watch that? Mm-mm. Oh, it was really good. The first one was better, The Haunting of Hill House, but The Haunting of Bly right. Manor was really good. Um, so it re- sounds a little like The Haunting of Bly Manor. So there are these siblings and they can't leave the house at night. They have to be in bed by midnight or these people who live in the lake on the property called the lodgers will drag them to a watery death. That's the whole premise of the movie. Like that's what it is. And it was filmed at Loftus Hall and like the whole bit. Wow. All right. Yeah. So it sounds a little like um, the haunting of Bly Manor, but um, so that's my first fun fact and, or my third or fourth fun fact. I can't remember. 
Um, it's my own. I wrote this like a week ago. So I'm like, you guys are learning along with me again. Um, the most recent renovation coincided with a book about the legend, which just happened to be released and the renovation completed on the home's 666th anniversary. Wow, that's yeah, cool. Right? Um, so in my know before you go, I don't really have it. I don't really have much, guys. It is currently closed um, to the public, likely due to the pandemic, likely due to the fact that it's it's for sale. So, mm-hmm. um, but however, you can do a virtual tour of the house on their website for um, nine, and 99 euros, 999 euros, nine dollars and 99 cents in euros. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to say that. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to say that. So yet nine dollars and 99 cents, but in euros, if you want to, which I think is really great. The places do this. I know Winchester did that for a while. People couldn't tour it, but you could do an online, like virtual tour. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they would still be, were able to make a little bit of money. People were able to go there. Granted, it wasn't the same thing as being able to like be in it, but it's right. the next best thing, I think. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I have. That's, that's Loftus Hall. Uh, what do you think, Laura? Haunted, not haunted, creepy? Believe the story? Uh, definitely creepy. Um, the tapestry room seems really interesting to me. Just because mm-hmm. that's like seems the epicenter of all of it, and the grand staircase too. I think if I remember correctly, but right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like a super cool place to go. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think so. Just it looks beautiful, and Ireland's fun. I mean, Ireland—that's the bottom. That's all you had to say to me. Mm-hmm. Right, Ireland. <laughs> all right, let's go. <laughs> let's, go. Um, let's go. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's Loftus Hall. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a quick episode this week. Um, next week we have a real good one. Um, it's another place that I want to investigate. Uh, there are very few places, uh, that we cover that I don't want to go to. I generally want to go to all say, of them. Is that every one of them? I generally want to go to every single one of them. And this one is, is no different. Um, so what we are going to do is, uh, Laura is going to real quick email her notes to Archie, who will then grade them and take a picture of his score. We will include Archie's, um, Olympic score rating on Laura's history, (laughs) uh, with our social media when we release this on Saturday. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I I don't really have anything else. We kind of covered everything in the very beginning. So absolutely it's good look at us being on top of shit i know it's weird it is weird it's weird don't expect this trend to continue it's uh, yeah you wanted to come out strong for your (laughs) first solo history i know i know it's gonna go downhill from here it's fine that's it but absolutely one thousand (laughs) percent all right well i'm gonna you did you had a big part in this one so i'm gonna give you a bit of a break i'm gonna let everybody know where they can find us instagram twitter the facebook the tiktok we're coming out on the youtube on (laughs) the first saturday in august and uh hoh podcast at gmail.com hoh podcast.com uh all the all the all the the places, the usual places, favorite podcast stations, Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio.com, everywhere. Um, that's it. I think I spit them all out. 
I'm usually the one listening to you guys going, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's right. <laughs> and then I say it, and I'm like, I think that's everything. It's hard to remember them all and make sure, you know, you're like, I always it's feel like I'm getting something. On the spot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, um, all right, well, we're going to say goodbye. We love you guys. We hope you're having a wonderful week. Um, Laura's going to be uh, driving this show for the next, I think, three weeks. He's not sure. He's not entirely sure when he's coming. Sometime in July, he's coming back. So uh, uh, anyway, till next week, guys, we bring you a brand new location. Stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. listening. All right. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.